Good morning. It's Tuesday, August 1st. I'm Shamita Basu. This is Apple News Today. On today's show, what happened when Oregon decriminalized hard drugs? The story of an Afghan teen who made it to the U.S. alone and now has to survive without his family. And a look at why people have been throwing stuff at concerts. But first, let's take a brief look at some major stories in the news. California's largest wildfire of the year is now burning Nevada as well. Smoke has been spreading across the states. It blotted out the sun over the Las Vegas Strip and kept commercial planes grounded because of low visibility. The fire is fueled by the underbrush in the desert. Scientists say that the growth is especially thick because of the record rain that hit California during the winter. In China, at least 20 people are dead in massive flooding. Beijing has been getting days of nonstop rain. Rivers are swelling to the point that authorities are activating a flood storage reservoir that hasn't been used since it was built a quarter century ago. Massive evacuations are underway as the waters rise. And moving to sports, the U.S. women just narrowly avoided being eliminated from the World Cup. The match with Portugal ended in a 0-0 draw. That means the U.S. will advance out of the group stage. But because they weren't the top team in the group, they'll face a tougher opponent, most likely Sweden, in their next match. Apple News sports editor Shakar Saman was following today's Rocky match from Sydney. The U.S. is, frankly, lucky to escape from this group stage and advance on. They were, you know, the width of a goalpost away from watching the rest of this tournament back in the States. We'll have more in the next episode of our World Cup podcast, After the Whistle, with Brendan Hunt and Rebecca Lowe. You can follow it on the podcast app and hear it in the Apple News app. Let's turn now to State of the State, our series that zooms in on local issues and how they impact people living there. Today, we are in Oregon, where three years ago, voters approved a ballot measure to decriminalize hard drugs. Measure 110 eliminated penalties for possessing small amounts of cocaine, heroin, meth, and more. The idea was to focus on addiction treatment instead of punishment. It was based on policies in Portugal, which decriminalized drugs two decades ago. So the goal is, if you remove criminal penalties from drug use, the theory is that drug users will come out of the shadows. Jim Hinch wrote for The Atlantic about Oregon's policy overhaul, which was designed to make it easier for drug users to get help. Drug policy reformers were hoping that Measure 110 would show that if you take away the criminal part, and you focus on public health responses to drug use, that you can see an improvement across the board, that you'll see less drug use, less drug addiction, fewer drug overdoses, and overall improvement in people's lives and the lives of the communities that they live in. But today, even some of the policy's biggest supporters believe it needs to be changed because drug problems in Oregon have not improved. Last year, the state had one of the sharpest increases in overdose deaths nationwide. And Oregon had one of the highest percentages of adults with substance use disorders. 
Hinch told us there were problems with how the policy was rolled out. Drug arrests stopped, but there wasn't a strong enough network in place to get a lot of people into treatment programs. The consensus in Oregon is that really created kind of a perfect storm situation where you had uh, rising levels of drug use and overdoses and very few resources for drug users to seek. That is changing now. The money has begun to flow to various treatment and harm reduction organizations, although there continue to be complaints that there's not a lot of oversight. And it's kind of hard to tell whether the money is going to organizations that are effective and really helping people or whether some of it is being wasted. A statewide poll earlier this year found 60 percent of people in the state blame Measure 110 for rising drug addiction, homelessness, and crime. Advocates say, with time and some changes, decriminalization policy can still work. Two years after the Taliban took control of Afghanistan, Tens of thousands of refugees have resettled in the United States. Many were able to travel here because they worked with U.S. forces in the past, meaning if they stayed behind, they would have been targeted by the new regime. But that's also meant some families have been torn apart. NPR spoke with a teenager who's been living in Virginia all by himself since he left Afghanistan in 2021. His uncle worked for the military, which made the whole family eligible to fly out, the rest of his family, though, wasn't able to get on a flight. I called them several times, but no one was answering because they was in the crowd and no one heard the phone ring. It's a dark day for me because I lost my old family. NPR isn't using his name to protect his family's identity. He was 17 years old when he got on a military plane with only his papers and the clothes on his back. When he eventually reached the United States, he had to decide where to start a new life, alone. I don't have any relatives here. Then I found out uh, about Virginia as, as a good uh, education system, and that was my goal to achieve. He started high school and worked odd jobs. A local church raised money and helped him find work. NPR spoke to Melanie Gray with Christ Church in Alexandria. He needed financial help. Period. You know, he's going to school full time. He's working full time. So imagining him here alone without a family, the burden, I believe, is extra heavy. He's about to become a permanent U.S. resident. His application for asylum was accepted, and he plans to go to college on a scholarship to study computer programming. But his heart is in Kabul. He misses his friends and his family. They talk often, and he sends money when he can. All the time I'm worried about my family because they are endangered. They have no rights here, no freedom of speech. Our Afghan girls can go to school. The hope is that the family will be able to reunite at some point. For now, he says, he's making the best of living by himself because he has no other choice. What is going on at concerts lately? I'm talking about people throwing stuff at performers. You might have seen the clips on social media over the last few days where someone appears to throw a drink at Cardi B while she was on stage, 
and she responded by throwing her mic into the crowd, with dead accuracy, by the way. There is some dispute over exactly what happened there, but what's clear is that it's part of a widespread problem, one that's very different from the long tradition of throwing flowers or even underwear on stage. Drake, Pink, and Harry Styles are just some of the artists who've had dangerous or even just strange things thrown at them recently. The Cardi B incident had us looking at a recent piece from Teen Vogue's news and politics editor Lexi McManaman. They took a look at the possible explanations for why we're seeing more of this. One is that people might be doing this for a fleeting hit of viral fame on TikTok. Another is that some audience members are behaving badly because they forgot how to act during the time that concerts were shut down by pandemic lockdowns. McMenamin's piece goes a lot deeper than these quick-hit, surface-level explanations. It looks at some complex questions about gender and economics that might be at play here. It's worth reading and thinking about for yourself. You can find that piece and more in the Apple News app. And if you're already listening in the News app right now, stick around. We've got a narrated article coming up next from The New Yorker about a small-town Oklahoma newspaper. A father-son team at the McCurtain Gazette uncovered explosive revelations about the local sheriff. That's queued up for you next, and I'll be back with the news tomorrow. Tomorrow. 